Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. It's Boxing Day. We've got a festive special for you later on. We're going to play you a little bit of what happened at our Robins on the Wire Christmas quiz. We had Scotty Murray with us. You can hear a chat with him. Also just going to give you a little flavour of what happened. Got a couple of uh, rounds to play out for you with the answers as well. So you can try and test your knowledge there. We're going to reflect back on the last two games, the draw at Derby County and the result against Brentford today. So let's start with Derby, uh, Gregor. We said going into that, a point is a decent result. And it was, by all accounts, looking at the stats, Bristol City did well to get a point out of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they were a little bit unlucky not to get all three points. I, th- I think they had the better chances of the game. And yeah... Scott Carson pulled off a brilliant save towards the end of the match to stop Framer Jesus' hooked volley going in. And then there were good chances for several Robins. Uh, Jamie Patterson, man, he scored a really great goal. Lovely finish, death finish, wasn't yeah. it? So, it's a, it's a, it was a finish of, of confidence, actually. It, it was, and that's what you, you can bring. Because I, I, he, he finishes or scores goals a little bit differently from a lot of other players. That's what I like about him. Mm. Uh, but yes, the unfortunate thing was that on the hour mark, he, he, he has such a great chance to score a second goal. And uh, Lee Johnson said in the press conference afterwards, if he just had a stronger ankle as opposed to his floppy ankle. Floppy ankle, he called yeah, it, didn't he? Yeah. But, um, then maybe he would have got the second goal. And Bristol City could have prob- and maybe should have won that game. But all that said, Derby had a lot of chances. Mm. So... They Given were, that, is, is a point not a, not a good, fair yeah, result? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I said to a lot of fans before the match, would you take a point? A lot of them said yes. And yeah, there were 36 shots, which wow. was incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, 21 shots for Derby, 15 for the Robins. It could have it could have gone either way. Um, although Derby had a lot of shots, I don't think they created any really, really big, what I would classify as big chances. That's, mm. that's the only thing I would caveat. I, I heard um, Nicky Meinpah mentioned quite a lot. He was brilliant. Really brilliant. Nobody made more saves than him last weekend, actually. And in the whole been, of the championship. In the whole of the championship, yeah. Equal with Darren Randolph of Middlesbrough and somebody else with, whose name temporarily... Lou, uh, but is, is, in that case, is Nicky Meinpah the signing of the season? Seeing him, the way he's grown, you know, from when we saw him, his, his first couple of games, he's, he's always looked all right, you know, but now he's making vital saves. Uh, there was a save the other week in the dying embers of the game uh, here at Ashton Gate. That, that shot he saved late on in the whole game to get down to that shot, but you didn't quite know which way it was going to go. He's just looked solid, hasn't he? Yeah, I was talking to some fans about Nicky Maynard and they were saying that they really only think there was one goal maybe that he could have saved, which... That, that sounds like I'm being a bit picky there, but it's not actually. It's, it's the opposite. To say that there was only one shot that the goalkeeper might have saved mm. that, that's gone past him this season and what coming up to the halfway point of the mm. season is incredible. And, yeah, you're right. He's been one of the si- signings of the season without doubt. Um, a huge plus point for the Robins. Some fantastic work done on the transfer front there. And I think the way he came into the club, some people won't... Um, maybe didn't take to him because he essentially arrived on a free transfer. He was second or third choice at Brighton. But he's really, really won over the coaching team here and he's doing a fantastic job, I think. And I keep banging on about this, but... In terms of defence, they've got the the top six. Equal sixth, yeah, in the league for goals conceded. Um, So their problems aren't that end of the pitch. That's funny, isn't it? Because people thought Aidan Flint leaving in the summer, that would cause a massive problem. 
And I, I watched Aidan Flint on Saturday. He was playing for Middlesbrough. He played very well. The way he steps out of defence, the way he cuts off that ball, the way he gets a foot in. I thought, but actually, do Bristol City really miss him? The only thing they've really missed is his goals. And actually, he hasn't really scored that many goals for Middlesbrough this season. So, mm. in terms of the defensive recruits that were brought in, that was positive. Do they need anything more defensively then, given that stat in January? No, I don't think they do. I think... You're, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. Adam Webster's come in and he's really adequately replaced Aidan Flint. Obviously brings a slightly different style of play to the team. They can play it out from the back and keep possession a little bit better, which in turn takes the pressure off the team, helps you get up the pitch. Um, Thomas Callas has been excellent as well. and just We've got people waiting in the wings. You've got Bailey Wright waiting to come ex- back. Exactly. We should, should probably mention Nathan Baker at this stage. Nathan Baker, and, yeah. And there was that incredible stat from last weekend that somebody pointed out to me that it was the 14th time that he has come off in the first half of a Bristol City game, which is incredible. Wow. Really. Um, for, and not, and not particularly sweet reading. It's not flattering him, is it? No. no. But maybe he's just been incredibly unlucky with injuries and stuff. And you do need a squad. So... I'm not going to blame him too much for that um, but I do think it shows why Bristol City needed two centre-backs in the summer and they went out and, and they got, got two, two really good ones but this yeah. shows what good recruitment can do you know defensively then Bristol City have been pretty solid but creatively they've lacked that spark Lee Johnson has said they've lacked that flair and that sparkle is the word that he's used so who's going to bring the sparkle in January Greg or who is going to be that player that comes into Bristol City and maybe changes their fortunes in a maybe in a push for the playoffs but- I don't know at this moment if I did, obviously, we, we would be reporting on it heavily. I mean, I still find it very interesting what's happening with Josh Major up at Sunderland. Mm. And that's, that's a crazy transfer story. We reported on that recently. I know Bristol City have um, had a look at him. And from what I understand, they like him. But it, it, it seems like he might sign a new deal up there. Although he was benched at the weekend. Although was that because he's... He's um, possibly suffering from an illness or something, as his manager claimed afterwards. We'll have to wait and see. There was some exclusive newspaper reports in the last few days saying that majors started to be offered to clubs for around the £1.5 million mark. Budget-wise, does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything about that deal would be fantastic for Bristol City if they could bring him in. But who are they in competition with? Oh, this is the thing. They'd have to appeal to him that he's going to get regular first-team He'd be their first-choice first striker. Is that how Lee Johnson would, would sell it? I, I think is he going to go in ahead of Famara Gigi, Gregor? He's not going to go in ahead of Famara Gigi, but he might be able to nick that um, support striker role off Jamie Patterson. Where Pato's played well and he's a good player, but has he scored enough goals this season? He, he might hit a bit of form now because he's mm-hmm. been playing well recently, obviously scored last weekend. Um, but you need competition there. And basically, Bristol City need more goal scorers. That's mm, what they need. Mm. So it might be a case of telling him he's going to play a lot of minutes here, but it might be a versatile one. But just on that, I want to add in, obviously, um, I spoke to Lee Johnson in the build-up to this match. He had yeah. a very interesting press conference. And he he hinted that there might be a loan signing coming in. I, I said to him exactly this, um, what are the chances of a loan signing coming in? And he said, a great chance of a loan signing. A great chance. Yeah, Would saying, you, do we know what position? We've got... Well, it'll be again. It'll be these sparkle players, and I don't have any names for you, but there's certain players out there I would suggest keeping an eye on. The likes of Eddie Inkentire, if I pronounce that right, at Arsenal. Right. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if we saw someone come in from Manchester City because obviously the club has got those links. Yeah. With Brian what about? Marwood. Yeah, I was to say we've got got the link, links there, but what about the links with Chelsea? That's always been a very strong. One. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Hudson Adoy is being linked with a lot mm. of clubs, but with respect, they're. Champions League clubs in the mix for his signature so 
And just speaking to a few fans, a couple of other names that want to throw out there. Um, I I know that there's championship interest in Jermaine Defoe for one. But, oh, wow! But really, but, do you think he can come to Bristol City? But it all depends what's going to happen with other clubs. And what you've got is two or three players who are going to go to Premier League clubs, the likes of Michi Batshuayi, possibly yep. from who might be coming back from Valencia to Chelsea. Yep, yep. Uh, Jermaine Defoe and Dominic Solanke is another one who's definitely going to go out and play football however it's not going to be a permanent or a loan deal that's the thing isn't it that will almost certainly be a loan deal because Liverpool won't want to lose him but that would be to a lower Premier League club right probably this is the thing but how many lower Premier League clubs need players but also there's there's the rule in the Premier League that you can only have two English loan players, isn't there? Yes. Which is a massive problem for the likes of teams like Cardiff City and, and I guess, Fulham that are down there sort of battling. They've got that rule, which is stopping them getting in players like that. Um, Cardiff City actually said recently, Neil wanted to, he would love Tammy Abraham to yeah. go there, which was interesting, I thought. Yeah, well, we could, yeah, we could easily see something like that happening. Uh, what's, the, what's the chances of, uh, do you think that improves the chances of championship clubs bringing in? These well, players. well uh, as Lee Johnson said to me, they've only used two of their five loan slots. So they've got room to bring in loan players. Maybe, um, well, I think there's a very good chance of a player from one of those big Premier League titans coming in. Not too sure. Oh, what a tease. What but, a tease. We'll see. We'll, we'll work on that. And I would just throw in, let's not forget that he went scouting in Portugal as well yeah. in September. And when the manager goes to watch a player, that indicates that... He really wants them. Yeah, they're, they're quite far along the line in terms of um, finding a player that they want. So mm. stuff to watch out for as ever. We'll try and keep on top of all that. Absolutely. And we here and think we will report it for sure. Yeah, definitely. OK, let's talk about today's game against Brentford. What do you make of Bristol City's performance? Yeah, disappointing and frustrating draw today then. I think Bristol City ended the match with only getting two shots on target or something like that, which isn't good enough and you're never going to really win a home game with that kind of form on the pitch. Brentford have so often been difficult opposition to play against and yet again that's how it's proven to be. Neil Mope scored the winner, didn't he, last year when Brentford came and dominated the match here. And again, he's popped up in the second half with what it was a terrific goal, I have to say. Really, really well worked uh, down the, the right flank by Ollie Watkins and terrific volley from, from Mope. Great to see Eros Pizzano get his first goal for the club. Some people are saying it's an own goal, but not too sure about that. I have to look at it again. In terms of City, though, I mean, the, the problems aren't anything new. We, we, we've seen this before. Only twice this season they've scored more than one goal at home and they've got to score more goals to, to get three points at home or they need more clean sheets and they, they haven't been doing that enough. So, yeah, stuff, plenty, plenty of stuff to work on for Lee Johnson there. After the game, he spoke about Lloyd Kelly, how early he is into his Bristol City career and he's only going to get better. And one particular thing of note was that he, he mentioned how Ollie Watkins could very well have easily been playing for Bristol City because he was top of the list of transfer targets two years ago when he was leaving Exeter City. The club really were interested in him. In the end, they went for Nicholas Eliasson and uh, in Lee Johnson's words, there was a price hike and Watkins ended up at Brentford, which is an interesting little side note to today's game. Well, Lee Johnson touched on it after the game. It was another case of, of letting a league go, wasn't it? How do they fix this? Yeah, it's it's difficult. As I say, they've, they've got to keep more clean sheets. Generally, the defence has been pretty good. I mean, only one goal conceded today. Brentford have got a very good attack and with the players they've got there, Mope, what is 15th goal of the season today? He's one of the best attackers in the league and Watkins is always going to hit at least 10 goals for you. Um, so... 
Yeah, I don't think it's too bad to limit them to one goal. But as I say, they just need to get more goal, more goals themselves. And Famari Jeju wasn't his best game today. Had that terrific headed chance from Jamie Patterson's cross and the volley right at the end of the game. I actually thought he was going to score that, but he couldn't convert. And on another day, he will do. But following the match, Lee Johnson said once again that he needs to find that spark and they've either got to develop that in the club or they'll try and buy it in January. There are options. They have got names. They are going to be chasing targets. We'll see if they can land one or two even. I think he actually wants two positions, a nine and a half and a... And, um, and an out-and-out striker, I believe. So we'll see if Bristol City can actually bring those guys in. Gregor, what do you think is missing right now from this side? In terms of the the missing, the final missing piece of the jigsaw, I, I don't think Bristol City needs to worry too much. Let's not forget that there is six games un, unbeaten. Yes, OK, it's four draws in the last five matches, but there are things that are going right, <coughs> excuse me, on the pitch. Um, and... The, the team is pretty much picking itself at the moment. I thought Gallimo Dowder was superb today. The defence is pretty good, pretty sound. Pisano has been getting better and better in recent weeks. As we've said before, it's just finding those goal scorers. And Jamie Passon got another assist today. He keeps chipping in. But they need goals from the wide positions, especially, and the, the front guys. So, yes, I think O'Dowder and Eliasson need to chip in with goals. We need to get Weiman back on form because he really doesn't look a, a threat at the moment, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, we need some decent backup for, for Jeju maybe to contest that shirt. If, if you've got new players coming in who are doing the business, then it's going to force the existing players to up their game to retain the shirt and get back on the side. So, really, some competition for places, I think, is, is the main way of getting through this. And the club can do that by bringing in a couple of decent players as we discussed in the forward positions or or maybe the coach head coach has got to get the likes of as I say Eliasson O'Dowder um, scoring but also let's not forget there's a couple of guys not involved at the moment Marley Watkins has got a decent pedigree in front of goal I think he should be playing because he can score goals he will score goals um, so maybe there's going to be some game time for him in the weeks ahead OK thanks Greg all the thoughts of Greg then after the Brentford game let's hear from Lee Johnson uh, he's chatting here about uh, Lloyd Kelly and some Premier League interest in him and how he almost signed one of the Brentford players Ollie Watkins Lee just wanted to ask about um, Lloyd Kelly against Ollie Watkins down that flank it was a really good duel <laughs> Those two, I thought. What yeah. Well, I think I think they're two great young players. You know, I really like Ollie Watkins, and and we was very interested in him when when Brentford um, got him instead of us. Um, but Lloyd Kerr, I mean, there was that one sprint, wasn't there, that Lloydy put the afterburners on and got there. They were both at full speed. I think we've got to remember <coughs> how how young Lloyd is and how early into his career he didn't have the best of games today. But it was like he had some really good actions. And then he had some not very good actions. And um, one thing I felt, and I, I tried to adjust at half-time, was the opposition's line was so high. We were turning down opportunities just to leave the ball over the back line. And, and Lloyd sometimes, don't forget, he's half been trained as a centre-half as well. Do you know what I mean? So he's not instinctive when it comes to playing forward, even though he's so composed. Um, actually, he's not a player that's got unbelievable vision he likes the game in front of him but you see even today where he didn't have his best game you see the quality and you see the athleticism and you see the potential so uh, the big thing for him will be keeping his feet on the ground because there's a lot of speculation and people are writing articles all over the shop some are true some are not true 
And uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's tough for it. I've been in that situation myself. Probably not, well, not with a level of clubs. But I know how hard it is because you think, oh, who's watching me? You're trying to get all the scouts list, your agents telling you someone's coming. Um, your mum and dad or your family are always chipping away and saying, right, come on, the big move's coming. And do you know what I mean? Actually, no, you concentrate on the process. Um, work hard, keep your head down. And, uh, and he's done great. You know what I mean? He's like... What was he, 20 games into his league career? Is, is there no, no. interest in him? In well, of course there is, because there's got to be. If you're a Premier League club and you're not looking at Lloyd Kelly, you're not doing your recruitment right. Because he's 20, 20 years old, plays for England, and can play multiple positions, do you know what I mean? So whether or not somebody pushes the button on it is a completely different um, matter, but I guarantee you, statistically and, and with the eye, every single Premier League club would have had a real good look. And just on Watkins, you, you liked him previously. Did you ever yeah, seriously consider? I wanted to try and sign him. Actually, he was he was the top of the list um, when, when we made it. Uh, when we signed Nicholas Eliasson, actually, and I'm not talking out of hand because I spoke to Nicholas and Nicholas Eliasson knows all about it. Um, but uh, I think at the time the price was sort of hiked a little bit for us. Uh, which we didn't like and uh, I mean he is a good player but we've also got other good players and uh, O'Dowda was in the building as well do you know what I mean which is uh, somebody that we really believed in and, uh, and we go again boys that was Lee Johnson then speaking after the points the draw against Brentford of course on Saturday Bristol City will face Rotherham and their newest day it's away to Stoke before some FA Cup third round action we'll be back after the Stoke game. But before we go today, I want to bring you what happened, just a part of it, at our inaugural Robins on the Wire Christmas quiz. We had a fantastic night. It was for Children's Hospice Southwest. Uh, Scotty Murray, club legend, kindly came along. We had a chat with him, which I'm going to play to you now. And also, just to give you a flavour of what the night was about, here are some of the questions and answers that we did that evening and they're hard uh, you can play along I've got the answers to give to you as well this is what happened on the quiz night just a little part of it to give you a taster we've had Scotty on the podcast twice now haven't we and um, Gregor it's always been an interesting sort of hour of our lives to chat to this man I know many of you all have seen him play um, but now now you're the kit man but there's so much more to it than that um, just you, you talked about the podcast just tell everyone roughly in brief what your day sort of entails on a day to day basis hello everyone <laughs> and by the way, I provide the biscuits for the podcast. Yes, Always say oh, the biscuits. I provide the tea. I provide the tea. Yeah, it's not bad to be fair. Yeah. Um, my, my normal day is um, I usually get to Ashton Gate for about quarter past six in the morning. I think um, I get in there. Like, um, the staff like their training kit up at the training ground for about half seven. So I get in about quarter past six, get everything sorted, drive up to the training ground. Usually get up there about half six, quarter to seven. Got all the kit done and crossed it probably by about 8 o'clock. And then, um, as I said, then everyone starts coming in. And I've got all the little uh, blowing balls up, getting bibs ready. There's all the little bits and bobs to do, so I think uh, it takes up plenty of time. So the only time you really get a, a little bit of a rest is about half 10 when they start training. And then I tend to come down to Ashton Gate to start getting stuff ready for the for the game on the Saturday. So it's, uh, it's pretty flat out, to be fair. And you're getting everyone's kit ready, all the boys' kit ready. Who is, like, the fussiest player in the current squad? Who is, like, I need my left sock to be bigger than my right? Uh, none of them get the option because they get what they're given. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Ben Flint, he was a bit, he was a bit of a mourner, but uh, <laughs> I managed to get rid of him. 
Yeah, no, no, as I said, no, the, the lads are as good as gold, to be fair, and um, there's, uh, there's not any prima donnas or big-time Charlies there. It's, it's a very good, good, good working group, so it's, no, it's, it's very enjoyable. So, obviously, you came here um, as a player from Aston Villa, and I think a, a few of the people here watched you play, saw that pace that you had, uh, but just think of your, your memories playing at Ashton Gate, playing for Bristol City. Like, what's one that really like, springs to mind? Um, I used to I used to enjoy the night games the, 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 the under the floodlights. I think they were always better atmospheres, and I said it's it very enjoyable. I think uh, just any home game. I really enjoyed playing at Ashton Gate. I said the majority of the time we probably had fifteen, sixteen thousand, which is almost a bit different now. But the atmosphere was always horrible, which was brilliant for us. I think away teams used to hate coming to Ashton Gate. I think uh, no, I, as I said I, I enjoyed every single minute of playing every single game. So. I think um, it's good times, definitely. And we just touched on Children's Hospice Southwest, which we're raising money for tonight, but I know you know a lot about them and you have a lot to do with them. So if you could just explain for anyone, really, here I suppose that isn't too familiar with, with what they do. Well, I think we, we go down there. It's probably our main um, charity for the last three or four years now. I think it's, it's an amazing place. I think um, we were there a few days ago. It's just the respect for the parents that for the, for the hospice is amazing. And, and the amount of money we've, we've helped raise, and I think a few years ago we managed to get a, a big trampoline which changed some of the kids' lives, I think. And as I said, it's a, it's, it's a charity very close to our hearts, and it's only a two-minute drive from the, from the training ground, so it's, it's something we, we really enjoy raising money for. And as I said, if it, if it makes the kids happy, then so it'll be a bit of delight. Fantastic, and thank you for coming tonight. And uh, tell me, what, what was this pub that you fell asleep with um, adjacent to the stadium? The Red Locks. The Redlocks, allegedly. No, I think, um, I remember when I first came to, to Bristol City, I think it was 97 December, it was a Christmas party, or it might have been 98, I, I can't remember, but I think um, Sean Dyche, the, the Burnley manager, I think um, we told Big Sean um, that it was fancy dress. So, he, <laughs> so he's turned up at the Redlocks, we've all got our normal clothes on, Gene. He's turned up as Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so I, he's ended up going back to Neil's because he lived in Neil's. He didn't go home and get cheap. He wasn't very happy. He was, he was an angry centre-half as it was. So I think uh, him and Billy Mercer tried to beat me up that night. So I think he ended up punching Steve Jones instead. So. <laughs> but no, no, as I said, it was a good laugh. And as I said, it was a, a few good pints in there. Fantastic. And um, thinking about this current group now then, that we've got sort of mid-table at the moment this season, home form hasn't been so good and it's a big ask on Saturday against Norwich, but where do you see this sort of group, this squad going? Yeah, we've got a good young group to be fair. I think um, it's a very tough league, that's for sure. I think um, I think even the teams bottom of the league can beat the teams at the top, I think. And last season was probably a bit different with Wolves. I think they, they ended up winning the league comfortably. I think, but I think... Um, even on, on Saturday away to Birmingham, who hadn't lost all season at home, I think um, and we've gone there and, and, and beat them. So, as I said, you never know what will happen on Saturday. Norwich is obviously flying. I think, um, as I said, it's a, it's a big game for us as well, live on TV. Sky, there you go. I'll plug you. <laughs> and, um, so, now, as I said, it's a big game for us, and as I said, we're looking forward to it. And, and sometimes the games that you're given no chance are probably the best ones to play in. Absolutely. Scotty, thanks for coming down tonight. Everyone, Scotty Murray, a Bristol City legend. And I'm not 
not just saying this to, uh, to big up our podcast, Robins on the Wire, but Scotty's come on, on twice, and, and recently, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, wasn't it, Grover? If you just go back on iTunes, you can find it. Scotty told us how he went from a fish factory to um, Premier League with Aston Villa to, to Bristol City, so well worth a listen. Uh, so let's go through rounds one and two before we progress to three and four. We'll do the answers. Uh, so round one, City walk out to one for the Bristol City somewhere. Which West Country band was... The Wurzels, yeah. Uh, number two, who is the club's all-time leading goal scorer? John Attio. Number three, uh, we just touched on it there, adjacent to the stadium, which former England and City player had a pub named after him, which Scotty Murray slept in and was knocked down in 2009? Billy Wedlock. Four, what was the score when Bristol City reached their only ever FA Cup final? 909 facing Man United. It was 1-0 to Man United. Five, uh, who did Bristol City beat in 1986 on their first visit to Wembley? The answer was Bolton Wanderers, 3-0 in the Freight River Trophy. I'll hear more about that with uh, Rich Latham in just a little while, which we're looking forward to. Uh, number six, only uh, Fools and Horses was the answer to this one. Which famous sitcom used Ashton Gate as part of its set during the 90s and 2000s, as well as that nearby uh, tower block, which is Nelson Mandela House next to the stadium? Uh, they used to use Ashton Gate car park for the market scenes. So they used to set the market up there and, and do it there. That's a hard one. Uh, number seven, name the club's feathered mascot. Scrumpy, the Robin. Oh dear. <laughs> Who just put Robin? Yeah, a few of you. Um, number eight, where do Bristol City women play their home games? It's the Stoke Gifford Stadium. Number nine, true or false, Ashton Gate once hosted a baseball game. That is true. And uh, if you're old enough to remember, it was 1918 between the USA and Canada. And the USA went 6-5 if you can. If you can. <laughs> if you can. And number ten, in which year did Brian Tinian's goal famously knock Liverpool out of the FA Cup? It was 1994. So that was round one. You're probably totting it up in your head. Uh, the answers are being marked over here with Aidan and Adam. And we'll go through those later, of course. Uh, round two was Bristol City through the 90s. So we asked you, excluding caretakers, how many different managers did Bristol City have during the 90s? And the answer was seven. Those seven were Joe Jordan, Jimmy Lumsden, Dennis Smith, Russell Osman, John Ward, Benny Lenartson and Tony Pulis. Number two, which player's scrappy goal in March 1991 in City, that 1-0 win over Rovers at Ashton Gate, ending five years of heartbreak? The answer was Louis Donnellan. <laughs> Number three, uh, before knocking Liverpool out of the FA Cup, City played the Premier League side twice at Ashton Gate. One of those was abandoned due to floodlight failure. Uh, both games ended one all with the same goal scorers. Name the goal scorers. Uh, we were chatting to Brian Tinian about this last week, weren't we, Gregor? And the goal scorers were... Wayne Allison for City and Ian Rush. Uh, number four, name the non-league side that City thumped 9-2 in the FA Cup in December 1996. It was St Albans City. Uh, number five. In 97-98, Bristol City were promoted to the second tier as Division 2 runners-up. Who won the title ahead of them just by three points? The answer was Watford. Uh, number six, in the same season, who was top scorer for the Robins? It was Sean Gota. Number seven. Uh, the following year, things weren't so good, were they? Uh, they finished bottom of what's now the championship. John Wall was sacked in October. The team they beat 2 1 live on Sky Sports was Bolton. Oh! 
Uh, number eight, which player's City career got off to the worst possible start in 98-99 when he was red-carded on his debut? Well, this player, what he did is he got the ball and kicked it in the, into the crowd, into the face of a Reading supporter. And that, yeah, that player was Gerard Lavin. Number nine, true or false, uh, Peter Beadle was the only player to score Bristol Derby goals for both City and Rovers true. during encounters in 1990. It's not true. The reason it's not true is because Beadle's goal for City in the Bristol Derby didn't come until December 2000. It's a little bit of a trick question there from Adam Baker. He's looking so smart, please. Aim your complaint to Adam Baker, sat in the corner here. And number 10 was in which year of the 1990s was the Atio stand opened? You've got to have a good memory for that one. The answer was 94. Well, that was from our Robins on the Wire Christmas quiz and credit must go to Adam Baker as well who wrote the quiz and some fantastic questions in there, some tricky ones as well. Thanks for listening uh, to Robins on the Wire this week on this uh, Boxing Day. This is when it was recorded. We will be back next week after the Stoke game uh, before Bristol City face Huddersfield in the FA Cup. Hope you can join us then and if you're listening on iTunes, please do rate and review us. Robins on the Wire.